Six of the biggest tech companies in the U.S. are driving the financial markets even higher. Is that necessarily a bad thing? We're going to talk about it coming up on the show. From the streets of San Antonio, straight to your wallet, it's Jake's Two Cents on Jake of All Trades. All right, welcome back, everybody. My name is Kirk, and I'm not a financial expert. And I'm Jake Rivas. I am the financial expert, but together, Kirk and I talk about financial planning topics, review articles about the economy, and review financial tools, all with the express purpose of helping our listeners build wealth both today and into the future. All right. And today, we're going to talk about big tech. And I, I, I thought it was interesting that you, when you introduced it, you said you kind of implied that it might, some people might think it's a bad thing that big tech is driving the upward trend. And I'm just curious why you think somebody might think that. So I think if you think about the purely from a uh, diversification standpoint, mm. it can be nerve wracking to hear that six individual companies before we even acknowledge the size of those companies and the <laughs> revenue generated by those companies, just from like first blush, I would think about, you know, maybe older investors who uh, invested in, in stocks maybe in the early 80s and 90s when technology was really just starting to become a thing. Yeah. Now, to fast forward to today where we have we literally have six companies that are driving the majority of market gains in the U.S. financial markets. That just in and of itself can, can make people nervous because they're like, well, am I really diversified if, you know, that much of my performance in my portfolio has been driven by these six individual companies. Hmm. Yeah. That so that was the logic as to why it might be a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Some people have, I mean, there's a fear of an oligopoly, which I yeah. think this feels like to some people where it's like now they have also the ability to control things right? In a, right. In a way that they maybe, you know, if there's more diversity out in the, in the market, they wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. So what about this article on um, Rit Holtz? Is that what this is? I haven't seen this one before. It's like, uh, I found it on Bloomberg too. But, okay. Uh, yeah, it's also on Bloomberg. But the one I sent you is more of like a, a little snippet that just talks about super high level. And just from like a standpoint, it gives some data about, you know, so I guess let's start with identifying what stocks we're talking about here okay? Uh, so that people are familiar, because these are all names that we know. There is a common terminology in investing when people are talking about um, the performance of specifically the S&P 500, which the S&P 500 is a U.S. stock index, and it is based on it ha it uh, is based on the 500 largest companies in the United States. And by market capitalization. So we're talking about the financial markets, how much capitalization or shares of stock do the companies have outstanding in the marketplace? The companies, the 500 companies that have the most shares out there available to purchase or are currently held for investment are the ones that get put into the S&P 500 index. So if we have 500 yeah. uh, companies reflect index, what this article is talking about are the specific ones that are, uh, they're categorized by this ridiculous acronym, 
Fangm. Fangm. Fang. F-A-A-N-G-M. Right. Yeah. It which stands for that means Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and Microsoft. Huge yeah. names. Right. As I look at my desk here, and if I think about what I just did before we logged on for this uh, episode, um, I watched Netflix this morning. I was checking Facebook right before we got on the call, and I have my Apple iPhone sitting here on the table, and we're recording this on a Microsoft computer. So <laughs> there you go. And I Googled and, oh, to get this, this article on Google. Yeah, I found the article. I Googled it, right? Or you Googled it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. So they definitely have. Um, in invested themselves in, in terms of the, sometimes it's hard. It's important to remember that these companies are actually providing value to our lives. It's not just yeah. money being exchanged for the sake of money. The purpose of it is that they are allowing us to do a lot of the things that we're doing. You know, in San Antonio, you guys are getting fiber optics and it's Google that's laying a lot of that fiber optics. Yeah. Right? And uh, so when you're investing your money, it's not, Again, I th sometimes I think there can be a disconnect that we forget that these companies are taking that money and doing something with it. They're not taking with it and uh, taking it and doing what I call the Scrooge McDucking it, where they just like get a big vault of gold and just dive in it and like, ha <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're actually spending it. They're actually investing, and that actually betters all of our lives. I know there's a lot of controversy about five G. But I mean, if you look at what 5G is going to do, that is going to revolutionize the world. Like 5G, I think, I, I think 5G is going to revolutionize the world. I mean, it already, I mean, why wouldn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some numbers here. So I just want to pull this up this article here, because it's interesting that you say like this, that Scrooge McDuck example, like they're not just taking the money and sitting on it, they're doing things with it. And that's what this article is speaking to, because we're starting to see the from a an investment perspective, we've already seen from a just a a production standpoint with these companies, how much they've influenced our lives and also to create and be um, such a strong resource for us through the pandemic, right? Because all resources, companies that we're using every single day, even though the rest of the world kind of shut down for a period of time. Mm -hmm. If we look, look at much increase in value for your, and I say your investments, most investors are invested in these companies, whether they are, whether they've done it individually through owning individual shares of stock or through mutual funds. These are the largest companies. They re they represent the largest share of the S&P 500. If you just are in 401k in like a growth, you're invested in these. Some people don't know that because they, they forget how the investment side of this works. And that's also why it can be a little nerve wracking to hear that it's a lot of this growth has been driven by uh, these six companies, right? So here we have the invest, the financial markets, the S and P 500 specifically is, let's see, a surprise 42% rally. So 42% increase in the markets March 
and we saw the market collapse in March. And since that low point, 42% increase. Now that represents the majority of the gains that have occurred within the last five years. Hmm. So three fourths of the gains over the last five years, if we take into account the decline in the financial markets back in March, three, three fourths of that 75% of the gain has been made back up. And in the last March, it's July, like four months, That's four or five months. Trust me, I know that's how long the lockdown has been for me. <laughs> but right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you're saying is that there was a big loss, of course, in March. And right. we've been on the uptick in certain realms, particu certain. particularly big tech. And three-fourths of all the gains that have been happening in the U.S. economy over that five months, almost five months, um, has come from these big six, basically. Yep. Yeah. So- if we think about just kind of textbook definition of being diversified and investing in, you know, hundreds of companies and hundreds of sectors of the economy, do we see a potential problem that we're facing with having such high concentration in these six big names? Or is it that we have become so reliant on the services and products of these big six that this is totally normal for how we should uh look at investing but it, i mean it's it's interesting to me i think there's um you know there's a lot of sub uh investment that goes on that people don't i think isn't reflected in this uh s&p 500 for instance all the a lot of the space exploration comes from wealth developed or uh, attained by people in the big tech industry right so you got big tech people making billions and billions of dollars and then they're investing in manufacturing and space travel and satellites which isn't i don't know if you know it, it's you know it's spacex isn't part of this but that is a you know another type of investment that can lead to even more investments and to me this reflects a shift from um you know that is probably going to go into the future and, and how the future is going to look for uh, the U S economy and the world economy from America being a manufacturing, you know, um, center to being a service design center. Right. Like, ah. so, you know, w we're moving into, you know, like, uh, when you buy an Apple product, it says designed in Cal California, but it's not built in. We know it's not manufactured here. A lot of right. our products aren't manufactured here. Now, for me, I think, you know, my view of economics, that's a good thing. I know some people think that's a bad thing, but I think it's a really good thing to have that kind of specialization where we have intellectual development here and we, you know, manufacture in other places. And, you know, the trend of the global economy, as, as we figure out these things like the pandemic, which is a part of being a part of a global economy, right? Yes. Is that that's we now are it can we could rapidly get a virus from china a day later right like it could be that yeah. fast so that's one downside but there's a lot of upsides like being able to manufacture massive things pool resources that aren't just american resources but all all over the world so that we can do things like i mean you know jeff bezos his vision for the future i'm, I'm so in love with is having trillions of humans living in space not on planets but actually on space stations um you know and that's one of his visions for the future um you know there's 
uh, Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and, you know, we can, and there's NASA's looking at even drilling and going to the moon and getting resources on the moon. And so when you think about, um, and they're actually developing real plans for that. And so it's like, part of what I see this is, you know, this, this big six is that it's a, the diversification comes from a global perspective. Bingo. Perfectly said. Love it. And that's actually exactly what this article is talking about too, is it's, it's, this article was written, the disconnect that appears to be present with the financial markets and then the underlying U.S. economy. These top six companies that we're talking about are U.S. based companies, but a majority of their revenue is generated outside of the U.S. Yeah. So if we look at actual numbers, actual numbers here, this is from 2018 because I couldn't find 2019 data, but Apple generated more than 55% of its revenue outside of the U.S. in 2020. Facebook was 54% overseas and Google was 53% overseas and Microsoft and Netflix, the split is about half and half, about 50% overseas and 50% domestic. And that's only these big six. Exactly. Like, like a lot of people are really frustrated in America about some American sports not being patriotic enough. But what I think is really happening is, you know, forget the politics. What's I think happening is that these companies are going global. And so when they're making decisions, they're thinking about, you know, they're a business, right? They're, they're, you know, and it's, I think it's the most American thing to be a business and to think about your profit and loss and how to grow your business. And they've been thinking about that. This is the NBA, the NFL. And they're like, we have big fans all over the world, including in China and different places. So we need to think about that when we make decisions uh, versus just a small portion of our uh, profits. And I, I think the same thing with movies, you know, their ma- movies are made with a global perspective in mind. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's anything, there's anything wrong with that. I, I think that'll create a schism in terms of, well, now you can make, you know, movies that are global and then you can make some with, on a smaller budget that are for, you know, um, for American audiences that that's, you know, for our, you know, based on cultural experiences that won't make as much sense in Spain or, or Brazil right. or China. Right. And so, but you know, the point is that it's these big six, I think are representative of a, the trend for all companies or for many companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the perfect environment to put that to the test. And I think my interpretation of this specific article is kind of proof that when we build, when we have uh, companies that have a focus on more of a global reach and expanding technology and trying to enhance our lives, we tend to perform better in these types of environments. That's what we're seeing right now. Some of it, obviously, these businesses are able to adapt to uh, uh, using their services and technology remotely. You don't have to be in person, right? So we're speaking to a specific sector of the economy. But I believe that sector of the economy is just gonna become more and more significant, while other sectors may just become less and less relevant. Yeah, and they may be outsourced to other countries. Yeah. I think, you know, and that's personally what I want to see. I mean, not like unnaturally. I mean, like, I'm just saying like, if people make that decision, I think that makes like, if a company makes the decision to outsource, um, personally, I think that's a good opportunity for, 
you know, other countries to, to rise up out of some of the things of, you know, poverty, just like we did hundred, 150 right. years ago. Right. Like you have to have, right. you know, it helps to have these other companies investing in your, in your country, uh, with manufacturing, with, with creating new opportunities there. I think that's a good, good opportunity for the world, the world economy. And I'm not afraid of a world economy as some, I think right. some people I know are. <laughs> so this is another interesting kind of a shocking statistic for these, the, the big six technology firms we're talking about their total market capitalization through the end of June was uh, $4 trillion. Uh, so that $4 trillion. Any of the individual markets, financial markets around the globe, with the exception of the U.S. and Japan. So just companies, their market capitalization on U.S. stock exchanges is larger than the individual markets of China, the U.K., France, Canada, Germany, just to name some of them. Yeah. So, I mean, so when we started the episode, it <laughs> sounds eerie about like, oh my gosh, six companies. Wow, those have more market capitalization than the entire markets of many other countries. So diversification-wise and asset-base-wise, there's plenty there to provide protection. It's not like oh, we're I investing. What you're in, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the concept of not being diversified just purely from holding six stocks yeah. is not the same, doesn't mean the same thing as it used to in this context. Yeah. Well, and like I said, also, they are, I think they are diversified in different ways. Like Google, you know, I talked about fiber optics, but they also have been investing in driverless cars and those types of technologies. Um, and that gives them diversity. So investing in some of these companies gives you a kind of diversity. I think Absolutely. And Apple. Yeah. yeah and Apple. Uh, we have I have a client that works for Apple, and she has been working in their uh, medical device department. So, to do research and come up with products. So, if you think about diversity, you may hold Apple stock, but your Apple stock is now generated. The base of that revenue is generated on a lot of different streams of income yeah, exactly. and a lot of different sectors of the economy. So it's really important while this may not, this type of information and, and seeing how these large technology companies are taking over. With your investment. It does evaluate somewhat how we just, advise or advise clients about just pure diversification, right? It's not yeah. simply just, you need a hundred stocks. No, not necessarily. It might be that what is our global reach with this portfolio and what sectors are the companies that we're invested in actually making uh, products and, and having services because it goes a, a lot further than we think. And now it's being reflected in how well they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, Kicking butt and taking names, Heck hopefully yeah. in a good way. <laughs> so the one thing that we should take talk think about though is uh, a word of the day. Oh, there's there it is. Fund overlap. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's not just a word. It's actually a financial term, fund overlap. And this can be somewhat relevant to everyday investors, and we don't ever know about it necessarily. And how what this means is when you have an investment in a few different mutual funds, we've talked about mutual funds before. Mutual funds are a pooling of cash from investors that go out into the marketplace and they buy stocks. And it's a way for you to get diversification by buying a mutual fund because you put your money in $100 into a fund and now all of a sudden I own a little bit of Apple and a little bit of Netflix and a little bit of Walmart and a little bit of this and that. Those can provide diversification purely by investing your money in a lot of different companies. The article we're talking about today is extremely uh, relevant for mutual fund investors, which is which are your everyday investors. I invest in mutual funds, my clients invest in mutual funds. So we have a lot of exposure to these top six companies, but we also have a lot of exposure in a lot of other companies. Fund overlap is when an investor mistakenly buys two or three mutual funds thinking that they're increasing their diversification when in reality they're just buying a product from a different company that's investing in the same stuff, right? Fund overlap is an analysis that you can do as an investor to look at the underlying holdings of all of those mutual funds and see just how many actually bought Apple and Google and Amazon, right? Because it could be that you thought you were diversifying because you bought four different mutual funds in your portfolio, but they all own the same thing. It's just one was with Fidelity and one was with Vanguard and one was with BlackRock. So a fund overlap analysis, which there are some tools, if you just fund overlap analysis, um, you'll find some that, that screen your mutual fund so that it tells you, oh, you know what? All seven of these funds that you're paying for, because mutual funds have a cost. It's, a, it's an investment. So you're buying this investment. It has a cost. So you want to make sure that the cost is justified and it's doing the job for you. So if I'm paying for these three funds and they're all investing in the same thing, I should just be paying for one fund. That's what a fund overlap analysis will tell you whether or not all of your mutual funds are invested very similarly, or if they truly are invested in a lot of different things, and therefore it justifies paying for all those different funds. So, I mean, is it, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, is it the analysis, like you're saying, is to look at your funds, make sure they're not, you know, having eight of the same companies on, you know, in, invested in the same way. Um mm -hmm in these two different funds that you're invested in, right? Is that a simple? Exactly. Explain? That's a, yeah. Okay. So um, then does that mean if you find several funds that, that you're invested in that are, would you recommend taking your money out of one fund and then just buying a couple of stocks by themselves without the mutual fund, like just straight stocks? So that completely depends on the objective for the money, right? And so if you're if you're buying investments, the one reason why mutual funds can be more attractive is because they get you access to uh, stocks that you couldn't normally afford by buying the individual shares. Yeah, so like okay. a share of Amazon is several hundred dollars a share, but I could buy this growth mutual fund that's a hundred dollars a share or less, and I get some exposure to uh, Amazon stock. Okay. That's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it makes it a little cheaper. Now, if you're 
the resources to be able to buy up individual stocks, well, that's a different story. But this is more so speaking to like those of us that aren't putting away a ton of money and we're still trying to maintain proper diversification amongst our investments, a fund overlap analysis will just tell you whether or not you have this exact same thing. It's just a different name. Yeah. And it helps you kind of rethink the funds that you've invested in. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the, like if, if, you know, 50% overlaps, you might as well just like put more money into one and take exactly. it out of two. Exactly. Right. Cause you're paying expenses for both of those. Right. Yeah. It's like when they're probably doing the same thing. That makes sense. Um, so that's where like having a good advisor and also using like the fund overlap tool can help you make sure that when you're putting your money into this weird mutual fund portfolio, it's actually providing you diversification. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Fund over overlap analysis. Just Google it yeah. and use that tool. It's a good idea. Good stuff. Well, so we've talked about the big six technology companies, how they're driving U.S. market performance. And I think the consensus is this is not necessarily a bad thing. So we've got to embrace this new globalized world that we have going on and also recognize what it is we're doing with our lives and what tools and resources and services we're utilizing. Because it seems like we're putting more of our money to work for these companies, and that's a great thing. So don't necessarily let a scary headline like, you know, six tech companies are driving all of your growth be a bad thing because when you pull back the layers, that's actually a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I agree. I like specialization, globalization and specialization. Yes. Yeah. I'm a fan. Exactly. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up this episode of Jake of all trades. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check us out on social media by searching for at Jake's two and check out the blog at Jake's two cents.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. Actual performance and results will vary. These interviews do not constitute a recommendation as to the suitability of any investment for any person or persons having circumstances similar to those portrayed. Consult a financial advisor regarding your specific circumstances.